And welcome back to another episode of Uncommon Council. I'm one of your hosts, Ben, and I'm here with Sam, back again. So we're this is our fourth episode now. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've both got tea, in case anybody was worried. Um, voices should be nice and soothed by all of that licorice. I um, guilty thing to mention, but I was going to bring tea so we'd have a little more variety. Uh, but I, I procrastinated on grocery shopping. So, but the Egyptian licorice is very, very good. Then. So the Egyptian lip licorice is a good move then. Okay, great. And that's something to look forward to for next time. So I was thinking often in podcasts, we'll say, what are we drinking? You know, trying to pretend like you're getting drinks after work or something, but. Oh yeah. It's cold here. It's winter. <laughs> we, we drink tea. Yes. I'm drinking, I'm drinking an IPA right now. Uh, what are you drinking? A tea. Yes. Yeah. Having a nice warm tea. Well, besides drinking, we're also talking about the latest Madison Common Council meeting. This was the meeting from January 18th, and I don't really know what we're going to talk about today because Sam's going to, Sam took over the agenda. Yeah, this is the first time I've created an agenda, so I've got all the power. Um, I Because I've got all the power, I brought back my giant chair gavel. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> shouting up at Sam. Yeah, we had to hire a moving team just to bring it in the condo, but I'm sure it's going to be worth it for the the visualness that you do not get to see as the listeners. Yeah, and if you don't mind leaving it here, I'm sure our cats would love it. They kind of have a similar need to feel superior and above everything. So good scratching point, scratching point. Yeah, they will scratch, they will scratch the hell out of that thing. Absolutely. Uh, but our first topic, uh, because I made the agenda, Ben, are there any things you would like to talk about or mention? Oh, I get to talk about stuff. Uh, so one thing as I was watching the meeting this week that really stuck out to me that just kind of just, uh, we'll say grinded my gears. I think it just bothered me for silly reasons. Uh, so they had a, a conversation topic about one of the items. It got removed from the consent agenda. So they did talk about it. The HuffCore uh sole supplier approval basically so that one got called out and we had somebody calling in for public comment who was really getting on to HuffCore. they didn't like them at all do you remember this one yeah it was because they um were bought out by another company and they're moving from janesville to monterey mexico yeah that's why the person was upset so they had a a union plant and so they're closing the union-based plant and opening one, yeah, like you said, Monterey, Mexico, where presumably labor costs are cheaper, but, you know, implicitly in that, outsourcing, right? So that, that demon. So, uh, yeah, I don't think we can argue with that at all, for sure. Um, as, like, that's – I don't want to see people combating unions in Wisconsin, basically. Um, however, we when we got into the details – of it. And you can actually look at the approval form. They link that up there to Legistar and you can check that out. Like the reason they had to do this sole supplier agreement was because they're not replacing the whole system. So what they, what HuffCore supplies is those movable partitions in, I think, Monona Terrace, right? So city uh, location, city run to some extent, there's some budget for it. And they have partitions that you can take a big space, split it up into smaller ones for a convention, on a wedding, whatever they do there. So HuffCore is their sole supplier. So it kind of looks like they're just awarding monopoly to somebody. So I think it does look very nefarious the way it's worded, 
or it's uh, I think the wording was non-competitive sole supplier agreement, basically, and, and it's approval for that. But what's going on is that the city actually has a process where if you are not making something a, a, a competitive bid, you do have to get special approval for it. And on the form, they have the reasons for it. The reason is that they weren't replacing the whole track system for those movable walls. They were just replacing the walls, like the walls had worn out. So way cheaper to just replace the walls. It's like, you know, trying to replace your Apple charger or something. If they're the only one that sells something that interoperates with it, you have to work through them. Yeah, that's that's a good uh, metaphor. Thinking you're <laughs> trying to go to Microsoft to replace your Apple charger. What, like, whereas if you just said, we're going to compete, comp you could have a competitive bid for a new computer. But it's hard to have a competitive bid for the charger. Yeah, like the, the proprietary accessory around it or like the operating system or something. Yeah. yeah. So it, it just, it seemed like one of those things that was an unavoidable confusion point if we had worded it properly or put some of that in a more public facing way. Mm -hmm. I, I guess it was on the form. So they did, have, you could kind of put all those pieces together, but they just had to have somebody from staff come in and explain that to people. Um, and I guess just, yeah, in the background, there's some distrust going on there that something's like, somebody's trying to like slip something under the radar, but it's totally on the agenda. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm uh, my general thing I want to mention that was on the consent agenda was there was a software um, purchase that would be no greater than $500,000, so fairly large, wow. for Trapeze Management Group, Inc. So a, a product for them? So it's a software product, a fairly large purchase. Okay, so not purchasing the whole company. For, yeah. Okay, so what what is it? Um, so I was really curious about this. So I had I went to... what. Their website and they are a software company that focuses on transportation so it's like mm. a suite of information or data you might need on transportation ranging from workforce management management supply management um route planning integration with user experience so you can like text writers so it's actually kind of an interesting suite of products so is this for Madison Metro to make a Met Madison Metro app or something like that? Uh, I think I'm guessing the Madison Metro app is built on Trapeze Management, which mm -hmm. is a worldwide company. They've got offices all over America, in Europe, South America. Um, so I was kind of curious about that. But then what really got me interested was I went to their about uh, section on their yeah. website and they had a video which was just like, so general and so many stock photos and that's really what I, I enjoyed the most about them so if you want trapeze software you can and i quote make data-driven decisions to optimize your efficiency and decisions i'm not sure if i want that can they use the blockchain they, so to their credit they did not say blockchain they did not say ai they did not say machine learning but they also said self-service tools to keep your staff happy Robust decisions based on what your data says. Transit insights to help you make better decisions. And that was it. It was just all these buzz ah. phrases with a stock photo of someone involved in the transportation industry, like a passenger, a mechanic, a driver, just looking happy. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> I love self-service. It has such a positive vibe to it, but it really means you're going to do the work. Uh, the work is being outsourced to you as the consumer. <laughs> Yeah, so so they could be a great product, but I just enjoyed the the video. So, is there a Madison bus app I should be using? I use Google Maps and use the bus transit, and it is 
extremely accurate. They must have APIs that tell them exactly where the bus is because they know how many minutes late it is. I, since moving away from downtown, I use the bus less, but I still use bus radar whenever I need to okay. use the bus. I think it might be Android specific though, but it's great because it gives you um, a map of where the bus is and you can mm -hmm. see the different routes. Uh, infuriatingly, sometimes you'll see your bus just stop there and you're like, why is this bus stopped there? Yeah. It's not moving. It's been there for like five minutes. In the background, you hear a soft train whistle. Oh. <laughs> Eventually, you put the two and two together. That's that stopped at a train, a railroad crossing, and that's why it's not coming. Now I'm very curious. So the app is train whistle or it's connected to the audio of the bus? I wish it was a train whistle. No, this was, this was one day I was late for work. Based oh, on... you were close enough that you could hear the whistle of the bus that was making you late. Uh, the, the whistle of the train. The whistle of the train. Right. Okay. Now I got you. Yes. Okay. It'd be hilarious if you could just listen in on the bus as it was going along. Oh, yeah. The live view of what's going on in the bus mm -hmm. with sound. Street view of the bus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If anybody steals that idea, just give me a little credit. It's fine. Um, but next we can jump into general resources. So we mentioned it's winter. We mentioned we've got our tea. The one thing we haven't mentioned yet is a free resource people in Madison can take advantage of, which is sand. Sand. Yes. What do I use sand for, Sam? So sand is very helpful if you want to put sand on the sidewalk so you don't slip, fall. Uh, sometimes you'll see people use salt, but if you're a dog owner, one issue you can have with salt is uh, it can irritate your puppy or your dog's paws. So sand oh. is a nice solution to that. So you don't have that irritant on your dog's paws. So we, our household has two dogs. We're very pro sand over salt. When you first said that, I assumed the dogs were going to eat it or something like that. There is another issue with dogs eating the salt, but generally you can get to melt pretty fast. Okay. Um, but sometimes we'll be walking and there's a section of the sidewalk, which is just loaded with salt. And then we just have to walk around it because it's too, it's an issue for their paws. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also there was a study that 1 million tons of salt go into Lake Michigan each year from all the salt we use in the Midwest. I have, that's crazy. I have no concept of how much that would be, but it sounds like a lot. They said it wasn't like a catastrophic amount. Oh yeah. <laughs> They're like, we're not at a catastrophic level yet, but it's a lot. So yeah. yeah. Well, we won't worry about the problem until it's catastrophic. Yeah. Don't worry. Uh, interesting. And so the sand, so you said I can go just pick up sand. You can pick up sand. You can get a bucket of sand. They've got them at various parks around the city. So we can link to the website and you can find the park nearest you. Get some sand. That's great. I don't personally have that responsibility, but I know a lot of people do. And I will mention that. That is my new, uh, it's my new party topic of conversation that everybody's like, you know that thing, snow? That's our what we have in common. The, the Debbie Downer thing. If you know, I walked in here and I slipped because there's no sand on your driveway up here. <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're friends, but that lawsuit could have been... The lawsuit's coming, yeah. 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 It, actually, don't get this sand. If you are trying to enter into some kind of lawsuit or receive one... Yeah, trying to burn bridges with your friends. You're trying to burn bridges with your friends or get rid of any particular friends. So that that is just the caveat on all this advice. Then speaking of sandy situations. Yes. 
rough things. I was thinking we could do wrong answers only. Okay. So uh, it's only the two of us. So we don't have clear. So we'll have to try to do it between you and I again. Okay. Uh, but this time, wrong answers only for what is a call to question? Call to question. Yes. Okay. So obviously, Sam, a call to question is where you give your mom a call to ask her about that adult thing that you haven't done ever before, and you just figure your mom will know. That's what a call to question is. That's that's a daily occurrence in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like new homeowner calling my parents every week, being like, no. How often do I need to change? Yeah. Why is the furnace making this noise? What is it doing? What does it want? Yeah. We had, we had a weird smell in our basement. There was a call to question for our uh, parents. So that is that is a very valid answer, but it is not what a call to question is. Oh. A call to question is actually just a call you can make in your favorite superhero. The question <laughs> will show up. Show up. The question... Um, similar to the Riddler, just will create a confusing situation, make robbers unsure of what's going on, just distract them. And meanwhile, you can escape and run away. That actually sounds like it might work if they just showed up like in their underwear. Yeah. Like, and started just questioning people. Sure. Riddler doesn't have any superpowers, just questionable decisions. Yeah. Well, Sam, that's not what call the question is. Call the question is actually a book about uh, the Arctic snow dog question uh, and the call to him <laughs> of the, the great unknown. That was the question in his life that he needed to go chase down and hunt and probably win a dog sledding race. Uh, that is, that is what call the question is. Obviously we've all read that book. I, I didn't read the book, but I do know they're making a movie for it next year. So, Oh, good. Who, who's, who's directing that? It's going to be a Spielberg. Another Spielberg. He did really good things. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, but I'm out of ideas. So I think, and I really liked your call to question for it. Wait, I got one more. Oh, you got one more? Okay, you can do that. Put a little uh, victory lap. Actually, call the question is actually the original title of Carly Rae Jepsen's uh, famous song. So oh. <laughs> here's my number. So call to question. Uh, and th that's actually, it, it went through some workshopping though. And eventually they settled on call me maybe, but yeah. It's, it's the loss of the people. Yeah, it's really the loss. It was a much better version of the song, uh, much more precise, but you get what you get. But that was better than I thought it would be. I, uh, I was struggling with two or three. Call the question, Carly Ray Jessup. Pretty remarkable. Well, Ben, those none of those are the real call to question. What? Ah, no. I'm I'm sad to say, but a call to question is a mechanism you can do with Robert's Rule Hoarders if you want to vote on something immediately. If you want to stop discussion. So if one of the alders is getting on my nerves, I could call the question. If one, if that is a way it could happen, but there are a few conditions that you need to be aware of. So if you get the floor, you can call to question, which is to say whatever um, motion is being discussed, we'll skip discussion, cancel out of this, and we'll just vote on it. However, to call the question, to skip the discussion, you need a two-thirds majority to agree. So two, so you immediately have a vote, and a two-three, two-thirds of the group decides to call the question, then you just skip discussion and go straight to a vote. So you can't um, just do it to end discussion like instantly or to cut people out. You need most of the body to agree uh, to skip discussion. 
Gotcha. So you wouldn't be able to unilaterally just like prevent discussion, but say hypothetically your common council had an issue that kind of had devolved into a personal fight between a handful of alders. The other alders who were really fed up talking about it could call the question. Yeah, but they would, if there was only a one person majority, that might not be enough. Ah, I see. So if we had Claire, this would be a little easier, but we'll, we'll give Penny, Penny the cat. She is advocating for getting removed from the back room. That's what she's advocating for. And she's, we're like, this is not happening. Mm -hmm. She's whining, whining, whining. She continues to discuss it. Yeah. Uh, we call the, I call the question. I get the floor. I call the question. Ben and I agree that's not happening. We're just voting on this. I, I second that. You uh, second it. That motion. Mm -hmm. Two thirds of us agree. We're just voting on this. And we vote. Benny's stuck in the back. So she stays in the back room. Yep. That makes perfect sense to me. Thanks, Sam. Now I know. Uh, the other thing that happened on this common council meeting were there were no honoring resolutions. Oh, wow. So did we just use up all of our honor last time? We've got, we're not prideful of anything. We're not proud of anything in the city right now. Huh. It was a short meeting overall. That was the first thing I noticed. When I went into YouTube to try and watch the meeting, I didn't get to watch it live. But yeah, it was very, it was a much shorter than six hours. Yeah, it was um, very brief is a nice thing some important topics though important topics such as old middleton repavement so old middleton that's a road right we're not just like casting shade on middleton or something yeah it's the retirement yeah. section of middleton oh. yeah no no it's a, it's a road um so this got a lot of discussion for a repavement which was interesting um normally you would think it's pretty straightforward, but there were some concerns with it, um, specifically for bike paths. Oh yeah, I remember that. I learned a new word about, or a new phrase. I think it had to do with, what was it, stress or something? Like a low stress threshold? Yeah, was that in reference to the The spacing on the bike path? Yeah. Yeah, or the, the space between the bike path and the road, I think. Mm-hmm. And so they, they got rid of a lot of the street parking with this mm -hmm. repavement. Um, they've replaced it with a bike path, except in one section. Yeah. Um, which was actually a very interesting piece, I thought, where they decided to keep the um, on-street parking in this one area because it's used for low-income housing. Oh, okay. Um, and so they reached out to the owner of the that group and they came up to an agreement that they would try to keep parking there for those residents, many of them who don't have an, another option for off a parking lot or a driveway. So and that seems considerate. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's one person calling in it against it for, for the, it affects the bike lane a little bit, but, but overall, I think it's probably good. Yeah. There were business owners, I think there were, yeah, there were business owners who were concerned uh, about, the amount of parking that was used. Mm -hmm. it, it is interesting. If you go on Google Maps and you look at the satellite view, you can see that those spaces are used to what the business owners were arguing. Right. That people are using the street parking. You're getting rid of that. You're going to affect the businesses. Mm -hmm. um, on that same satellite view, you can see many of the parking lot spaces are not being used. Oh, so the street is being used. The parking lots, which aren't being affected by this change, mm -hmm. are not. Yeah. So maybe they need to be sharing those parking lots better. <laughs> yeah. That's a, delicate. 
there's there's often an issue with parking planning where um, parking spaces are pretty inefficient because you're not using it for anything for the mm -hmm. most of the time. So if you have a parking lot that's at 50% occupancy and your street parking is at 50% occupancy, you should just get rid of the street parking in that case. Right, because, uh, <laughs> yeah, if your street parking is 50% occupied, that whole lane is useless to you. Yeah. You can't use it. <laughs> yeah. So I think that was kind of the, the back and forth of mm -hmm. what is the right amount of parking to have. Great. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I never thought of it in those terms of, yeah, if you have a mix of dedicated parking and street parking, just make sure that you get rid of the street parking first. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I I think I saw the the next topic. It looks like parking's a it's not a good meeting for parking. It's getting a lot of dings. Yeah, there was more. They they mentioned the Midville redevelopment project, mm -hmm. which really just got the best thing. The only thing they mentioned about it was Alder Carter. Yeah, yeah, like a very nice like back in my day comment. Back in my day, I think yeah. The point she made was that her parents walked to put their money in a. Well, so it's the BMO Harris Bank now. Mm -hmm. It used to be a bowling alley, apparently. That must have been a lot. That was before my time. I used to live down in that area. Yeah, if you look at Google Maps and you look at the building, I can see the bowling alley in it. You can see it. <laughs> it looks like a bowling alley. <laughs> yeah. Actually, when you're trying to deposit money, you you still have to, you know, put, uh, put on different shoes and walk in there and put it in. Like, you know how usually the pneumatic tubes are those little cylinders? Mm -hmm. Like, at, at this bank, this BMO Harris, they're spheres and you put your money in there and then you roll it down the lane yeah sometimes they've got a, a fast um deposit mechanism mm -hmm. where you can just slide some cash in the fingers of your bowling ball yeah you just throw it down the lane if you get a strike you get a one percent rate increase rate on your savings account that's pretty good cutter ball stays the same so it's, yeah. it's a pretty good deal yeah. that's that's good yeah i i never used that bank because I, I was not very good but yeah, I'm sure for some people that's a good option. Yeah, it's a great way to make money if you're a, a bowling ace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that should be very profitable. So, so that yeah, that was one point that it was it used to be a bowling alley, and then I think her parents used a bank that was in a trailer. That was the story. That's what she said. And I, the biggest disappointment of this was I really wanted her to expand on the story. Right. Like, what is? It, well, and her point was, I think as she said out loud, she was laughing at herself like well maybe you shouldn't trust a bank in a trailer yeah but it seemed to work out for well for her family she's she's doing well yeah alder carter is uh the best alder at giving hints of a story and not giving you the story so leave you wanting more there you go yeah she and she even said this we'll talk about this next time when we actually talk about this plan. She is serializing her the story of her parents opening a savings account. That's amazing. Yeah, she is. That is um, how you maintain being elected next time. That's how you maintain a uh, an audience. So we will check in on that next time. Um, Anything else about the Midvale redevelopment? It, it, well, actually, what is it? <laughs> the other thing is going on with yeah, talking about what is it? Yeah, it's uh, a development project at um, the Hillsdale Mall shopping area. Mm -hmm. Where, of speaking of parking, they're planning on eliminating a lot of the parking lot usage and trying to convert that to more commercial and residential. So this is the parking like down near the end that has the Great Dane. 
Yeah, there's a pretty big parking lot in the back. Okay. Um, I don't use that. My wife does like to use it, but there's always spaces available in the covered parking, so I just use that. Oh, I always park by the Macy's. It's another good parking or spot. Or the Target, because realistically, I should probably check Target before going to any of those specialty stores, so I usually do. Hmm. I find a cheaper version. It's true. Yeah. Uh, but there are plenty on a lot of the, there's a lot of parking spaces in the back. They're planning on converting to more residential and commercial spaces. Ah. Um, so trying to keep that area vibrant, like a vibrant shopping center, living space. I dig it. Yeah. We we're I mean we clearly have an agenda on this podcast of anti-parking, uh, pro public transit. Yeah, we're we're both pro public transit. Okay. But... I, I was just calling it to question on that uh, <laughs> actually no that's not what that means i learned what that means yeah we having no longer living by the bus so mm-hmm. less less convenient for me to to get catch the bus to go places but yeah now it's like entering that realm of nostalgia for you though yeah back when you can just catch on the bus go to work and read yep you forget all the smells of the bus the bus being late how it's really hot if you put on all your coats and things and then get on the bus. Yeah. Still bundled up. Winter's always rough on the bus. Just don't know what to wear. Yeah. And you take up like when you're, when I'm all bundled up, I take up like twice as much room. So does everybody else. It's like, I swear there are more seats here. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that surprisingly covers most of the topics, but that'd be a good point for a little jingle break. I would love a jingle break as we go into the the next bigger topics of the police quarterly report and then the body camera pilot project. Sounds lovely. And we're back. So Ben, the next topic that was covered, um, which got, got a lot of discussion from the elders was the police quarterly report. Ah, yeah. Were you, have you seen, have you, are you familiar with the report before? Uh, they talked about it, and you sent it along, so I did scan through it and got to look at some of the data, some of the graphs, gave me some nice uh, flashbacks to when I used Excel more more for creating graphs. Yeah, I think like at a high level, that's the thing that sticks out the most, is how reliant the report is on Excel. Oh, really? Yeah. And specifically, 3D charts. <laughs> yeah. They're not, they're, they're giving us the third D. They are not going low budget on this. No 2D charts. Yeah, the, the data background to me just really is anti-3D charts. So in general, if you want to... Why is that? What's what's wrong with the 3D charts? It doesn't add extra understanding of your data. Um, adds a little bit of distraction. And sometimes it makes it so it's harder to interpret your data. So sometimes people will do a bar chart. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to tell what the number is you're actually saying because the back portion of the 3D will distort your view. Oh yeah, it's like which point on the y-axis is it actually at? Because you're you're trying to give it depth and to the like the top plane of the uh the top plane of the prism, I guess that you're trying to make a bar graph. Yeah, yeah. It, so they're they're charts which people thought looked really cool, and so they made them. But yeah. the end user experience is actually worse at getting your point across. <laughs> so uh, generally, you should not do three bar charts as the general. Have you ever thought of calling to the common council meeting and making that point? I, I really have. They <laughs> and it's it's bizarre because some of the reports have really nice charts. Like I yeah, this is a weird thing I do, but when people give a presentation with charts, 
I will redraw a better chart if I think it's bad. It's like your notepad is full of better versions of their charts. Me, like everybody else has notes. You're just me trying to improve charts. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get follow-up notes on meetings of I don't think you presented a good chart. Here's a recommendation. Yeah. I'll try to be more subtle than that, but I, I do actually give recommendations on charts. I think that would actually be a better representation than a lot of presentation feedback that's like, hey, you used a filler word. It's like, okay, cool. Filler words, they're fine. It's a way of speaking. It's I'm creating suspense with my filler words. But if somebody gives me a new chart. Yeah, I it, it doesn't usually get received well. I don't think I've, I haven't seen the change I would like to see on <laughs> graphs. You, you keep doing you. Someday the world will turn <laughs> and come to a realization. But that day has not come for the fourth quarter 2021 police report yet. Yeah, it. So I um, I went to the open data portal a while ago to look at different police reports mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, and the one takeaway I have is everything I was trying to look at through the open data, they just present you in this quarterly report. So it's actually a really nice report. So yeah, okay. So there's a good reason for it. And it's if you want it, instead of doing a bunch of legwork, look at one place. That's good to know. Yeah, this has a lot of interesting data. Um, the elders were really insistent on knowing if the quarter included events that happened after midnight on New Year's? <laughs> uh, I I mean, I do financial reporting for work sometimes, and I, I get why they care, because they're trying to balance to the penny. It's very entertaining. I think there were some celebratory gunfire events that they were very uh, interested in, and I think those must have happened at, like, 1201. <laughs> <laughs> so, so those are what they were. It is a... You know, I see their point. I see how that could maybe move the needle a few percentage points, but wow. Well, and they drew a distinction between instances and events, right? So New Year's shooting would always be one event, but could be five instances if you shot off five things, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Were there any other things that stuck out to you in the report? Or uh, <laughs> Yeah, there was some... So one of the big things that stuck out to me was the conversation about car theft, especially on East Wash. If you go to the, and I think the keyword you want to look in if you get the report, and I think we are going to link to the report in the description for the podcast. If you look for the word stolen, I think, because I was trying to figure out, is it called car theft? Is it called, you know, car robbery, like boosted cars, grand theft auto, whatever. Uh, Stolen cars, I think is what they call it. But if you find that chart, you can see this uh, the fourth quarter of 2021 versus 2020. It's like all growth in East Wash, <laughs> which is just, to me, famous on Madison Reddit for being people complaining about boosted cars speeding down the East Wash. And that's why we have a terrible traffic light set up on East Wash now. Yeah, for a while they were closing lanes randomly. Yeah. For, not for construction just to limit the speed of vehicles. That's a, like, that is a thing I've heard of, of to make people think more instead of just autopiloting a really fast speed on a road, you just change things up so that they have to think. But wow, yeah. The thing that really stood out to me was they said of the car thefts, 80%, the keys were in the vehicle. Yeah, that's the other (laughs) remarkable thing. It's not 
I, I, <laughs> I, um, I did some computer security, a computer security course. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the professor understands a lot about how you would hack a computer and some of the vulnerabilities of a computer. And students were asking him, so what extra measures do you take? And his response was, you know, I don't need to like worry about outrunning, like doing everything. I just need to outrun the lowest possible person. Cause that's who like someone trying to hack your computer, computer's going to go after. Yeah. And same with cars. They're not going after trying to pick your lock to get into your car. They're just looking for the car that's unlocked and has the keys in it still. That's running in the morning. Cause you're like, I want my car to be hot on my drive to work. I'll start my car in my pajamas and then go take a shower. Like don't do that apparently. <laughs> yeah. Just simple measures. Just lock your car in Madison. Probably the easiest, one of the easiest ways they recommend for lowering the number of stolen cars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, and it came up in the next topic that I assume we're getting too soon, but uh, where like people are making the argument like, hey, we as citizens can protect ourselves. And I, then I immediately thought back on the car theft thing. I was like, can we? Can we protect ourselves? Are we the right people to watch out for us? We don't seem to be doing a good job consistently. Um, that was just a thought I had. Yeah, and I think we can we can jump into the next topic because it gets really, um, my thoughts on it do come back to this quarterly report, um, but it was a referral to... Uh, on the body corn body worn camera pilot project, mm -hmm. uh, where they ultimately referred it to the April meeting. If I understood that correctly. Okay, so it's being referred to the April meeting. Mm -hmm. Why are we waiting that long? Uh, so, for some background, there was a body worn camera committee that okay. created the report, about a fifty page report which was a fairly thorough report on if Madison should adopt body-worn cameras. And I think this happened, it's been going on for the past five years. It seems right. I think I was, when I, when this topic came up, I started browsing scholarly articles just through Google Scholar, <laughs> um, looking for things. And it does seem like around like 2016, 2017 is when the conversation really started to heat up and people are actually getting some research done on it. Yeah. And so they keep pushing back. Um, so Madison wants to implement a pilot project just to understand mm -hmm. what the impact of it's going to be. Um, but that pilot project keeps getting pushed back and back and back. Um, and that's mainly due to um, it, body worn cameras being contentious for police officers uh, in today's climate. Um, interesting. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I had a thought about something else unrelated just now. So oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a little light bulb moment. I was like, I wonder what this is going to be. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I thought somebody was at the door. That's what, that's what was literally going through my brain. I was like, well, so we keep pushing back this pilot. Would people feel more comfortable? You called it a pre-pilot? The pre-pilot program? This is a pre-pilot program. Yeah. So one of the committee, some of the concerns of it are what the impact of body-worn cameras will be on arrests and mm -hmm. will, um, if you go to the quarterly report data, um, Madison has a relatively small African-American population, like, uh, but a the African-American population takes up a huge proportion of the police incidents. So yeah. the concern is, you know, you're giving police another tool um, to monitor and surveil 
or surveillance uh, a population that's disproportionately being targeted already. So do we need that? That's kind of the main. That was pretty, came up pretty consistently in the opposition comments. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that's kind of what the defund the movement. And, and that is, I think, a really um, tough question for this. Like, that's, that's a, it's a pretty strong argument. Uh, the, the police, the body worn camera committee did try to address this. Like that's the biggest con mm -hmm. of body worn cameras in my mind is that just more policing. And, um, so they try to implement a series of measures to try to measure, does that actually happen within the city? Yeah. And is there a way we can follow up to make sure that we're not over harassing certain people? So they're just asking that question. They had some ideas like random sampling of the videos or. Well, that's what they wanted. That's why they wanted a pilot. Okay. So we can measure this and make sure it's not having a negative impact. Okay. In a small scale. And for the, and I know you may not know all this offhand, but for the pilot, would they keep the scope to certain areas first? The, the committee recommended doing a random trial, which is really difficult random among the officers i think it'd be yeah that's the only thing i could think of how it would work is you have a random trial among officers or of neighborhoods being patrolled right um which sounds good I, mm -hmm. it also sounds really hard to actually implement and get meaningful data uh, i think what the police wanted to do was to do um body-worn cameras just on the north side of madison okay which also is a disproportionate area for number of police incidents. Yeah, you could definitely see that in one of the graphs from the police report. Yeah, like a geographic map. I mean, it's just the isthmus like has a ton. So it sounds like I mean, if, if that's the rollout policy, you're already kind of really going against the the safeguards the committee wanted to implement. So it's not just being used on certain communities. Got it. Yeah, you were designing it in a way that it's being used on certain communities. Yeah. With your intent, yeah. And and then there's that element, and this came up in some of the articles I was reading, and we, we can link to a few of these. I found them helpful for getting me familiar with some of the, the points and the concerns. A lot of the research actually seemed to be pointing to the benefits being inconclusive or somewhat negative. I don't think that means you shouldn't use the body-worn cameras. It just means the way they've been implemented so far has been more to benefit the police than to help people, which I think in my mind, without looking at this issue, in the back of my mind, I was like, obviously it's going to help people protect from a repeat of a George Floyd incident or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, and the... I think in my mind, I think a lot of the debate on should police have body worn cameras mm -hmm. does come into um, like police violence. Yeah. Um, but if you go to the quarterly data, the number of incidents where um, officers reported using any sort of um, violence or intervention, like it's only it's 78 incidents. In the last quarter yeah out of thirty-two thousand total incidents right so like 0.2 percent and mostly that wasn't firearm discharges that was like physically there were 54 takedowns 10 tasers 13 incidents of pepper spray 
Zero baton strikes, which I think is probably good. Do they have batons? Is that just a, like, I don't know. I, I would guess they still do. Yeah. And then two firearm discharges. Right. Um, so it's, it, it, I think those are what the public, or at least I would always think of those are the things you want to monitor. Mm-hmm. But it's also such a small percentage of what actually happens. Yeah. That, it, that that's kind of where the, what what's the value we're getting for this? Like, if we want to have police accountability, we want to understand what police are doing. It's but it's for the point two percent incidents. Um. So, what about the other ninety nine point eight percent? Right. Yeah. What about and like if the discretion for when to bring up footage is up to the police department, then it's just going to be used to exonerate them or to make put them in a better light. That said, I don't, I again, don't think that's a definitive never use this technology. It's let's plan appropriately. And the committee's report actually does cover a lot of nice things. So ensuring there's a process for sharing with the Dane County District Attorney's Office, Mm -hmm. ensuring there's a plan to share footage with um, public defenders as well, and ensuring there's a plan to share with the Police Civilian Oversight Board. Yeah. um, Which is, does not have a... We don't have a police civilian oversight. Oh, I can't remember. There's a position, the head of the department. Okay. Yeah, they the person they offered someone in December or January, but the person declined the offer. Oh, okay. So we're a year. They're like that. That is too hot for me to handle. Yeah, we're a year in, um, and we still don't have it staffed. Interesting. So there's there's these three or four conditions that. Um, the committee suggested to try to ensure uh, that it's not being abused, but most of those haven't actually been met. Well, because it hasn't started or you're saying that we're not prepared if we did try and start it. We're definitely not prepared for the police civilian oversight board position because Mm -hmm. it hasn't been filled. Right. Uh, The other ones like communicating with the district attorney's office, public defenders, I suspect the police are viewing it as well. We'll start that work once we've got the pilot project approved. Yeah. Um, but other people want them to ensure that that work has been done, that, that process has been defined before we start a pilot project. Okay. And the Police Civilian Oversight Board, here I'm about to spread rumors about my vague memory of what happened there. Was that the one where they they were they set their threshold for experience very high and then tried to lowball the very few people qualified for their criteria? They... They had a lot of issues in trying to define what the position was they wanted Mm -hmm. um, while being, yeah, both extremely thorough and overly qualified for what position was. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I think there's a a nonprofit that's kind of helped them with training that's kind of said, yeah, there's probably one or two people that fit this criteria. In the country? (laughs) Yeah, it's just a very narrow set of criteria for someone to have. Um, but at the same time, they also wanted to make it open. So they said, you, we would prefer this very specific person, but we would allow anyone to apply. So it's it kind of a, a, a tough thing they were trying to balance. Um, mm-hmm. I think in the end, they it seemed like they had two good candidates they got. There were some issues of people being concerned they only had two candidates, um, but one person pulled their name out and the other person decided not to accept the position. So gotcha. So they're kind of back to the drawing board on 
trying to find someone new to fill that position. I see. I see. Yeah, I could do, and I could see how that would hold them back. Yeah. Interesting. So, and I think, um, I mean, overall, when when I went through the report, it seemed like body worn cameras could be like a potentially good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as as you mentioned, a lot of the research is inconclusive on what are the actual benefits. Yeah, it seemed like I, I was trying to read through that, figure out some of the benefits. It seems like there's pretty clear benefits of cost cutting in the in the sense that you're much more likely to see an open and shut case for something. It's way easier for them to build a case that the jury is going to convict over because the evidence is irrefutable mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. Um, even if it's just corroborating something where they had other types of evidence too that would normally be compelling, like an officer testimony, that kind of thing. That said... There is an effect where then over time, people start to question if there's not video footage. So they're like, if it's just an officer's testimony, which, you know, back in like the 90s or early 2000s would have been all you had. And people would almost, you know, unquestionably believe the officer. Now they're like, oh, kind of suspicious. They don't have camera footage. Right. And then they are less likely to trust the officer. So that's another effect that can be at play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just lead to that being the expectation. Then other officers have complained about things like, um, and I think the quote that the article I read um, had was, uh, officers are more concerned with ending up on YouTube than ending up in the morgue. And what they meant by that was officers are reluctant to use the most lethal force they were authorized in a situation to use by their procedures because they're worried about being, you know, uh, basically demonized on YouTube, which I think is what that's good in a way like that's one of the effects that people would like to see from this that people think twice before using lethal force i mean i think that's really hard because you're saying maybe that puts the officers in more danger it is unquestionably a dangerous job if we wanted to argue that body-worn cameras are going to make being a police officer a harder more difficult more stressful more dangerous job and compensate them more in return I think I'd be open to that too, but there should be that accountability. Yeah. There was some cons- like some cons of it, or it potentially leads to higher officer burnout um, just mm-hmm. because of that extra pressure on your job of always being watched um, and analyzed. It's in, it's a, I think it's generally good to at least understand what happens in these incidents. Cause mm-hmm. you know, it's people's lives that are affected when, they're arrested if they go to jail or something worse happens. Um, but yeah, it is. Most of us don't have a camera on us all day, just watching our actions and being monitored. Yeah. Although it seems like they're, depending on the policies, the officer can have discretion on when they turn their camera on or off, which can also be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> if they only turn their camera on when they're interacting with a certain demographic of people, then it's much more likely that footage is only going to be used against certain people. And when they're not interacting with somebody, you know, who's, we'll say white, like that, that, that they're not, for some reason, they're biased to not think of as suspicious, then it's only going to be used against black, Hispanic people, like some of the callers who called in to oppose the pilot program or mm-hmm. something. I, I will say that we also had somebody from the NAACP call in in favor of the body worn cameras. And I... <laughs> One of my personal rules is if you're ever on the other side of the NAACP, just check yourself a little bit and make sure. So that make sure that 
you have taken in all the information. Yeah. And I think it is, um, it's, it's interesting that they are for it because people are, are for and against it on very similar ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think the caller was for it just for understanding what actually happens in any of these stops, making sure there's evidence, making sure there's a way to monitor police, um, performance. And, and so there's a lot of things you could say, which we want to be able to do, and yeah. that would be helpful. Um, but the other side of that is, well, there's a camera on this person. Maybe it'll start being abused by finding small misdemeanors that they wouldn't have otherwise noticed or, mm-hmm. um, finding ancillary things that weren't related to the initial incident. Right. Or you screw up once and then they have all the footage that maybe has your facial recognition tags so they can go back and look for all kinds of other things and try and track down like parking tickets you should have or, you know, expired fines or, or something like that and like use it for witch hunt purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are definitely some of the concerns people brought up. Uh, we should mention uh, Madison did pass an ordinance last year, two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, banning police using facial recognition. So so that would hopefully apply to this as well? Yeah, you would you would hope so. <laughs> but the so the footage is there. <laughs> as soon as if at any point in the future that is no longer the case, you go back and apply that to all the footage, right? Yeah. You don't have to tag it as you're recording it. So I, I think that's good. And I, I think that's a great thing. Thanks for bringing that up. Because I think people should be aware of that and know that that's something they can fight for mm-hmm. if we if on the consent agenda we just quietly get rid of that one day yeah um so yeah every time the body worn cameras comes up it, it does bring in a lot of people calling in there's a lot of views on it mm-hmm. um it's a, to- it's a tough topic <laughs> yeah well i mean we have people calling in and I wrote down some of the phrases because they just stuck out to me. People just saying, I'm embarrassed, I'm disgusted, um, that, you know, that they're even suggesting it as a topic. Like, so, and people taking just very strong, I think, I don't know, ethical positions on it and just really painting it as this is a clear cut black and white issue of if you're not on my side, you are evil perspective. Yeah. And, some of the people um, calling in, I, I feel like they, maybe they haven't read the, the committee's report. Yeah. Um, some people definitely have because I know they were on the committee. <laughs> One guy said he uh, he started his his point by saying, there are people who are probably going to quote figures and data, but... <laughs> and then shared his perspective, which is fine. It's just, uh, I don't know, that, that tells me a lot when you start that way. Yeah, so, but I, I think that the report really does try to balance a lot of these arguments, and it really does go through mm-hmm. all of them, um, and it does a pretty good job of trying to decide how can we mitigate potential unintended consequences of this, and how can we continually monitor it, um, and, and so I, I think reading the report makes me a little more comfortable with the idea, but it, it does really emphasize the key to this being successful is about implementation and having accountability and being able to revisit it. Um, and it seems like a reasonable issue for you to figure out where your alder stands. And if you have whatever communication channels you have with them, I know some of the alders have blogs, some of them email with 
their constituents. So expressing your opinion to your alder could make a difference as they start to argue some of the points later on. Yeah, and so if they followed that report, I would feel comfortable in it being implemented in Madison. Uh, that doesn't mean I necessarily think it's beneficial to be implemented in Madison. Yeah. The other funny thing I thought about the report, uh, they have a list of contingencies that must be met in order for body-worn cameras to be used. Right. The very last thing is, if this money could be used, better used elsewhere, do that. And that's fair. I, I will say, I thought that was that was a question in my mind, because several people were like, I'm, I think one of the points of being disgusted that we're even talking about this, like, this money could be used way better elsewhere. So... The actual money, if you look at it, it's $83,000 for 48 cameras for the pilot program. The city of Madison is going to cover that. They're going to borrow money to pay for that. They would take $55,000 roughly to pay the overtime time for somebody to sit there and review the footage, tag it, organize the, it in a file system, whatever they have to do to kind of process it on a people labor side, which... Is, it sounds like a big chunk of money, but that's overtime pay, and it's a lot of hours, I'm sure, <laughs> of what they're generating. Um, and that would be covered by the police department's budget. They would just cover that. So that's not additional cost to the city over the budget that's already been approved. Um, that doesn't sound like a lot of money to me. I don't know how much else we could do. And if people really want to reduce crime in the city, maybe they should not put their keys in the ignition of the car <laughs> and walk away. <laughs> but... Yeah, and then the the potential pros are um, less time in the court system for having plea deals instead of taking mm -hmm. things to trial. Um, so you factor in that time. Uh, hopefully, better police accountabilities. Hopefully, better officer training. Yeah. Um, so there are some ideas for why this could actually be beneficial, but it's hard to say. Research is inconclusive. Um, it's it's new technology. It's just. It's coming. I think we want to ride the wave instead of let the wave sweep over us, mm -hmm. is what I think. And I'm somewhat concerned by this idea that I need to be whipping out my phone whenever I see the police doing anything on the street. And I'm the one responsible one for recording that footage and potentially putting myself in harm's way for that. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that I would never put myself in harm's way for another person, but I don't know what I would do in a difficult situation like that. So... I think anybody who says that they know ahead of time what they would do in a very intense situation is being naive. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I guess that's about what I have to say on that point. And as the public talked about this for a, quite an extended period of time, I'm sure we'll talk about it again in April. Yes, so we'll leave you on that. We'll take Alder Carter's uh, example and we'll leave you on that cliff note and we'll tell you more about this at a later date. We'll see how the discussion continues. Well, thank you, Ben. It's a good conversation. Thank you, Sam. This has been another episode of Uncommon Council. I'm Ben. I'm Sam. We'll see you next time. Good night. <laughs>